Welcome to the Tax Sell Podcast, where tax sell investing is made easy. My name is Casey Dimon. I'm a tax sell veteran. I am the leading tax sell expert. I'm the author of the Tax Sell Playbook. I'm the founder of the Tax Sell Academy, and I am your host right here on the Tax Sell Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me on today's podcast episode. As a reminder, this is a completely free podcast and is brought to you through and because of the Tax Sell Academy. More information at taxcellacademy.com. All right, today we're talking about something I get a lot of questions about. Remote tax sell investing, out-of-area tax sell investing, investing online, whatever you want to call it. We're talking about investing in tax-defaulted real estate from wherever you are, be it in this country or any other country in the world. The business and investing world is changing. Lifestyles are changing. And accordingly, the way that we invest in tax-defaulted real estate is changing. Now, while I and many others do still go to physical, in-person auctions, either out of necessity or in some instances by strategy, many investors are migrating towards remote-style investing, myself included here. Now, I've done a few episodes related to out-of-area investing before, but this one is going to be slightly different today. I want to teach you what you need to focus on as a remote tax sale investor. How do you properly prepare yourself to invest in tax defaulted real estate from wherever you are? Now, as someone who is investing remotely, your process is going to be slightly different than somebody who is a local investor or somebody who travels physically from one auction to the next. So let's go over a few different things that you really need to dial in your knowledge of and your skills of as a remote tax sale investor. The first one is to really understand that the difficulty level and the chances for error increases when you are not local to the property. Now, everything that I teach applies to all types of tax sale investors and minimizing errors is always going to be the goal. Nobody wants to make a mistake. But when you're local to an area, either by living there or by traveling there, you're able to minimize some of those mistakes just by being near the action or near the property. Now, I don't say this to get you upset about remote investing. It certainly allows a very, very viable path to success in this business. But I say that the difficulty level increases simply because I want you to understand that as a remote investor, you must really learn to hone in your skills. You often don't see issues with your own two eyes. You don't hear that auction chatter from the auction room. You aren't overly familiar with the happenings in the area. You don't know about some of the issues that the locals do and many other similar situations. Now that should not discourage you, but instead, It should really be a constant reminder that you must be extremely thorough in what you are doing, even more so perhaps than the folks who are investing on a local level. Something else to remember is that this business is a numbers game, especially as an online or a remote investor. I always get very frustrated and I usually take a little bit of offense to those people who've attended maybe one or two auctions before they message me to tell me this tax sale thing just doesn't work. 
I mean, they saw like 20 or 30 properties get sold and they're mad that they are not a millionaire yet. Seriously? In-person investing requires inconvenience, time off work, traveling, expenses, that kind of thing. So there are admittedly fewer people at in-person auctions when you compare those to online auctions. That means on a per-property basis, you will typically see more success at in-person auctions. Now, obviously, the time, effort, and inconvenience thing, that's a big trade-off there. That's why we invest remotely in a lot of situations. It's no big deal. But understand that remote investing will require you see more properties auctioned off before you're able to get the properties that you desire. If it's easy for you to attend, it's easy for everybody else to attend. The way to combat this, of course, is by going to even more auctions and watch even more properties get sold. And it is much, much easier to attend two, three, or even four auctions remotely in one day than it is to do that in person. You simply can't attend four auctions in person in one day. All right, let's talk about online research now. I'll get questions or I'll get comments on videos sometimes that will ask me, what do I look for when it comes to tax sale investing? What is my due diligence for tax sale properties? And I love questions and I've got plenty of links that I usually respond to these folks with that will help point them in the right direction. But unfortunately, asking somebody what they should look for when it comes to a tax sale property is the equivalent of asking a doctor how to perform a surgery. It's just not something you can explain in a sentence, in a comment, or even just one video. Research as a tax sale investor is the large majority of what we do in this business. It's something that I spend the majority of my time or my life doing, researching real estate. And as much as I'd love to say, do this, this, and this, there is actually going to be quite a bit more to it than that. And as a remote investor, you must up your game when it comes to online research, since after all, that's going to be the majority of what you are doing. First of all, you should work to become an expert in research. As I've told you, it is everything in this business, and it is crucial that you do your very best to understand everything there is when it comes to research. You should never look at research as, I will check this box, this box, and this box, and I'll move on to the next property. Instead, you really need to look at it analytically, especially when you're starting out. Let me give an example. Let's say you look at a property, and you notice it's a quarter-acre lot. Okay, knowing that it's a quarter-acre, that's good. That's not enough. What is the shape of that quarter acre? What's the access of that quarter acre? What about the elevation or the restrictions for that quarter acre? The list goes on and on and on. Is that property perhaps in a flood zone? Okay, why is that important? Are all of the properties near it in a flood zone? Does it really have a chance of flooding? Does that impact it as an investment? You know, I have rental houses that are in flood zones where the investment is still rock solid. But I've also seen properties in flood zones that have standing water on those properties every single day of the year. So look into it deeper than just noticing whether it's in a flood zone or not. Or maybe you saw it's zoned, uh, say, residential. 
Well, what kind of residential? Site-built homes, mobile homes, single-family, multi-family, two-family, three-family, whatever it is. Does it conform to the area that it's in? Does it affect the value of that property in some way? What other types of zonings are in that area or that county? What exactly does the county's land development code say about that zoning classification? You know, that's something that a lot of new investors won't take the time to look at. Go online to that county or that city, find their land development code or their comprehensive use plan for that area and take a look at all the zoning classifications. There might be a difference between R1, R2, R3, and R4. They're all residential, but they have different qualifiers behind them. So take the time to do something like that. Research what exactly zoning means in that area because that will impact your investment. Your objective should be to look at each property like an onion, right? Peel back every single layer until you get to the core of what that property is so you know exactly what you are bidding on. And fair warning here, when you are first starting out, it's gonna take time. In fact, it's probably gonna take a lot of time. Eventually, it's gonna get easier and easier and you're gonna streamline it towards a very, very quick process. But at first, it is going to take time if you are doing it correctly. But I want you to see something and I want you to ask yourself, why? Go deep into it. Your online research, again, is the majority of what you'll be doing to ensure your success. Never do just surface level research so you can go through the motions. Learn everything you can about the property. And you can do this by first learning how to properly utilize all the tools at your disposal. Click every single link. Know what everything means. Know how to read everything. If you're researching and you pull up anything at all about the property, you should know exactly what it means. For example, when you look at something like the property assessor's report, you should be able to scan it from top to bottom and know what everything means on that report and all the corresponding links from that property assessor's report, even if it's from a property assessor 10 states away from you. Let's say you're scanning that property assessor's report and you see a zoning classification code. You need to know it or you see a taxable value. Now, is that taxable value the full market value in that area, or is it a percentage of the full market value? How do they determine that number in that specific area? Because it does vary. Maybe it links you to a tax bill for that property. Well, why is that important? What does everything on that tax bill mean? Maybe you see a special assessment on that tax bill. That's a pretty significant factor for your investment, right? Now, let's say you see a legal description. You should know how to read it. Maybe it links you to a GIS map. You should know how to read all those map layers. You should know how to look at the comparable sales and determine the value for that property. You should be able to look at the previous sales history and analyze it to determine, are these in fact fair market value sales or is it maybe a family to family type transaction that's obviously gonna impact how you value the property. You should know what every single thing on that page, on that property assessor report stands for. And then when you visit the GIS page, know everything on that page. When you visit the tax bill, know everything on that page. When you visit the building department's page, know everything on that page. If you can't do this, you're gambling. Take the time to educate yourself on what to research, where to research it, and how to research it. 
Now, with all that said, don't become so fixated on your computer screen that you neglect to pick up the telephone and make a phone call. Some people, and I was once one of them, thought that you could research everything in every area about every property online. You can't. There are simply some things that counties do not post online in certain areas. I frequently find myself calling counties to ask for more information. I'll pick up the phone. I'll say, hey, can you tell me where I can find such and such online? Is this information available online? Maybe I just overlooked it, right? Maybe it's a county condemnation list or a code violation list or something like that. And maybe there's a link to it online just buried and I missed it doing my research. If I didn't find that link online, I don't just gamble and say, well, I hope there's nothing wrong with the property. I hope there's no code violations and act like they just don't exist. No. Instead, I will pick up the phone and I will call the county and ask them, is there an online research tool that I can use to find those code violations? Maybe I missed it. And if they don't have that, I'll say, okay, do you have access to a master list that I can be emailed? Or maybe I can you know, send you a dollar that you can mail it to me or whatever it is. If they don't have a master list, I'll say, okay, let's go buy these properties one by one and you can check your code violation list for me to see if any of these properties pop up on that list. On your proprietary software that only you have access to, you can tell me if these properties have code violations. And I'll list them one by one because I want to be a responsible property owner. I want to know what I'm getting myself into. And yes, that takes time. It takes effort. And sometimes it might even frustrate the person on the other end of the phone call. But it's worth it. Don't be afraid to pick up the phone. All right, moving on. Part of the issue with being a remote tax investor is that, well, you're not there. That's an issue, right? In some situations, it can be. Now, I'll begin this specific topic we're about to discuss saying this. The safest way to invest in a property is to know everything you can about the property and to verify it with your own two eyes. But I understand that this is not possible for some investors. And it is, in fact, cost prohibitive for many investors flying across the country to visit a property that you might or might not be able to purchase is a tough pill to swallow. It becomes even tougher if those margins are extremely tight. As a remote tax investor, you must become diligent in research, including driving by the property. Many tax sale properties are here for specific reasons. You know, it's the lowest lot in the neighborhood that collects all the water from the adjoining properties. It's that dilapidated house that could fall down at any second. It's the lot that looks beautiful, but it's designated as green space and can never be built upon. The list goes on and on. You know, even if something looks amazing online, there's still a chance there are issues. Don't rely on something like aerial maps or Google Street View as the end-all solution to seeing the property. Those images oftentimes are out of date. So you need to learn to hire locals to help you. And this is something that can be quick, easy, and very, very cheap to do once you understand the process. Now, there are specific ways to hire these locals. 
There are strategies that I recommend using, and there are processes to implement. I teach about all this in the Tax Law Academy. I've also got YouTube videos and podcast episodes that discuss this. But understand, it's not just simply a matter of finding the first person online who's local to the area and telling them to go snap a few photos. So for example, when I have somebody local that's helping me out, I'll send them very detailed directions. I'll include things like one lot to the right of the blue house that has the address 123 North 4th Street. It's directly across the street from the house that has the circular drive. It has a fire hydrant directly in front of the property. And then I'll have them take photos that will help me verify in a way that they are at the correct property. Learning to find the right people and learning to communicate with them is such an important tool as a remote tax sale investor. Now, lastly, I also want to touch on the selling aspect of being a remote investor. You see, the marketing and the selling phase does not begin when you purchase the property. It does not begin when you think you're ready to sell that property. In fact, it begins well before when you are picking the property out that you are going to bid on or buy at the tax sale. When you're a remote investor, you should only be buying properties that fit your desired criteria. So for example, if you want to do everything remotely and you have zero plans to travel there, then you probably don't want to buy a house that needs a substantial remodel where your local presence would be desired to manage that property, right? It just doesn't make sense. If you want to be able to sell something entirely online, you need to first make sure that you pick out the correct property for that objective and work towards it as you're doing your initial research for that tax sale list. This isn't a situation where you should go out and get the best deal possible and then decide how you need to sell that property. That can cause a lot of headaches for you in the long run. So instead, prioritize the fact that you are a remote investor and design your entire selection process around that, including the fact that you need properties that can be easily sold remotely. Now, you can always, of course, hire realtors to assist you with the selling aspect. But again, that's something, of course, that you need to take into consideration during the acquisition process because there are expenses involved in that as well. It's entirely possible to be a completely remote investor from wherever you're at in the world, but it does not come without its own unique set of challenges. And to be frank, it's not as easy as some people try to make it out to be, or it's not as easy as some new investors want it to be. It takes effort. It takes diligence. And it takes a lot of persistence and patience to do it successfully. If you are a remote investor or you want to become a remote tax investor, take all this information, all these pieces of advice that I've given you in this episode really to heart, really focus on them and begin to hone your skills because it does take more skill than a local investor just buying a property right next door. Listen, I truly hope that this episode has helped you when it comes to your quest for tax sale success. If so, please do me a huge favor and leave us some positive feedback on whatever podcasting platform you're listening to us on right now. And if you are looking for more help with your quest for that success, don't forget to take a look at all the helpful links in today's show notes section 
of this episode. And for the most comprehensive step-by-step training that we offer, just head to taxcellacademy.com and become a member of the academy where remote investing is obviously a huge topic in the trainings that we offer. Hey, take care and make it a successful day. We'll see you next time right here on the Taxcell Podcast. Bye-bye.